welcome to the Scottish podcast by Scottish people about Scottish things. We're three lifelong friends and displaced Scotsmen who get together to talk about our homeland, the weird stuff that happens there, and to remind us why we are the way we are. Welcome to This'll Do Nicely. Bonjour! <laughs> Comment ça va? Et si Stitters do nicely avec Rocky, Johnny et Christophe. That's pretty good. Nous eh? sommes lifelong amis. Uh, it's it's going uh, uh, get together to talk about <laughs> the weird stuff that happens in Ilya. It's going to be uh, bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue, <coughs> welcome to... This is why he went away for uh, so long. Bien, bienvenue... Uh, Thistledoo. I can't remember what the story is. Je suis Rory. It falls apart because Rory. French people can't say Rory. That's Rory. Rory. Je suis Rory. 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 Je m'appelle Jonathan. Uh, Et Christophe. Ah, bonjour. Bon anniversaire. Ah, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> bonjour. Bonjour. Ça va? Uh, oh, ça va? Ça va? Bien, um, okay. That's how we're starting the episode. Uh, Is yeah. that it? Have we Welcome started? everybody. Are we we started. Yes, okay. that's it. I'm, I'm Biffy Claro and a Kilmarnock. Bienvenue le, le beef. A, a, a Kilmarnock Onikos. Um, <laughs> yeah, welcome to what is happening right now? part two, part two de. of part de. Um, our Biffy Claro episode. We, we came back. I know you thought we were going to be gone forever. Here but we are. Here we Can are. we release this in September 2023? Yes, 100%. <laughs> just with zero fanfare. Just drop it. And we're back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is it. This is part two of the Biffy Clyro episode. Um, again, you know. I know I don't really know what to say. Like last week was was it, it was exciting. Johnny said some things. He gave us some information. He did some research. We listened to some music. Uh, this week we're getting into. Well, Johnny, give us a rundown of where we are with Biffy right now. I thought you were doing this one. Uh, I I'm definitely doing next week. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent doing next week. This is it. This is too much for me doing one a year. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's hard going. Um, okay, so we we did some of the early history of Biffy. You know, those early days as teenagers in Kilmarnock. We've seen them rise through the ranks of their first few albums and find their feet in the world of grunge and heavy music meets melodic choruses. And we the French call it le, the French yeah, call it le heavy metal. Le, le heavy. <laughs> I le heavy I want to take a moment to I hate. The, the naming of music, like the the post punk and right. the the pre alt and the alt rock trap. I don't like, I don't understand what trap is, guys. Yeah. Can you explain what trap is? The rock trap. Uh, I think trap dubstep. What's dubstep? That's <laughs> that's kind of dubstep. It's just noise. The, the one that gets me is like ga- garage or garage in the garage. states because it's a very different. I think a very very different meaning of garage music in the uk versus ga- garage music here i think means like punky rocky yeah. like played in your garage with loud guitars where in the uk it's like craig david <laughs> yes <laughs> craig david uh yeah those names always annoy me because then you get bands like 
Biffy Clyro, and you're like, well, how do you define that? It's really hard. We're like a genre-bending band. We can't even be defined, just, you know? I just listen to them and then figure it out. But listen to a bunch of them because not every song is like the next one. Yeah. I think they are quite changeable, which is quite interesting. Um, and actually, even so, in the last episode, we, we, we played some stuff that's like slightly bonkers, like the Jaggy yeah. Snake song that's kind of weird spiky guitar and then like a big chorus and stuff and then it's like you know we finished talking about what's effectively a like a ballad to his mum you know it covers yeah. quite a lot in a spectrum there i would say and then vertigo of bliss has like one of their biggest singles early singles which is questions and answers which is just a nice it's almost like snow patrol-y uh it's got a fun little video that is very 90s which is them just walking around the streets and then there's cheap animation happening around them and i think the animation is literally people drawing on the film of the video it was and and one of them the lead singer fly because if you if you did that you would just draw a penis and there's probably a penis in it there's a penis that comes to life yeah probably it's probably a couple of them okay um the lead singer is in a wheelchair the entire video because he just happened to break his leg on the way to film the video (laughs) So there's like, ah, oh, fuck so it. So weird. Wow. Yeah, we don't have much money. But but it's like, again, it's a nice sort of middle of the road, poppy rock song. Yeah. it's They're just an odd band. Do you, Here's a question for you. I think he is often talked about a bit in the way that Dave Grohl is of like the, the nicest man in rock. Do you oh. think there's anything in that? I don't really know him well enough yeah. to comment. Obviously, Dave and I are uh, very close, uh, <laughs> and everything he says, uh, everything, you know, what you get is what you see. What you see is what you get, sorry, on, on you know, cameras. So Dave and I are tight, and right. he's great. So I don't know Simon as well. Um, <laughs> uh, the, I, I, Not from those I'd days say, in the Key Park Tavern together, no? Yeah, Dave and I used to go there quite All a right. lot. <laughs> uh, he's like quite down to earth. He doesn't like to go to the big places. Right. Um, when we go and listen to dubstep and trap at the key tavern. Um, but I, I don't know, because the documentary is sort of the first time I've properly heard them being interviewed for an elongated period of time. And yes, they seemed like nice Scottish boys, the three of them. And you can tell that they had a private school upbringing. Um, but I don't know. I thought that he was... I thought he was a bit weird all, all the way through. I, I couldn't get a handle on who he is. Right. Um, and I and I think it's what I said in the first episode uh, a year and a half ago uh, when we released that. <laughs> that that um, I think he is maybe, maybe it's because the earlier stuff is sort of a bit American and punky and they're trying to figure out who they are. It, I, the whole time I was, I thought he was just kind of, trying to project something that he maybe isn't isn't necessarily there was something that i just couldn't get past i was like who are you i have a theory on this so he's a lead singer he's a front man so he should be the natural leader and most flamboyant upfront arrogant one of the three but the other two are twins in a three-piece And so he is, and they've known each other since they were literal teenagers, like children. And he has always been on the outside. Like as much as they are all good friends and very close, he is not one of the twins. And so I think he is like 
deep down very insecure that he is not part that's of the not, band. That's not mm. a bad theory because I did think all the way through that inter the the documentary, the bassist who is the twin with hair yes. now, <laughs> yes. uh was the most eloquent and seemed the most sure of himself and seemed to seem like the best spokesman for the three of them. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad or anything. I think they're all very eloquent and yeah. well spoken and know where they're coming from. But if I I if I was I would I would pick him as the leader. Yes. Like he was right. the one that seemed to be the driving force. And the drummer the drummer brother just seemed to kind of be there for the banter a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I that's think- just but that's a superficial just you know, snap judgment watching a documentary at ten thirty at night. Right. Uh, situation. Yeah. No, I I, um, I don't think it's necessarily uh, really changes the dynamics that much. I think it's just a subconscious thing of like he's almost jealous of their biological relationship that he can never penetrate. That's that sounds bad. I don't mean it that way. I mean it in a nice way. Um, and so I don't know. I don't. I'm, I mean, maybe that that's that's you playing armchair psychologist a little bit there but maybe it's uh maybe it's partly a scottish thing of being the natural front man for like a cool rock and roll band maybe it's yeah. difficult for to project because it's like they they're they you don't you look at them and you said rory earlier um that when you first heard them you're like no way they're scottish yeah. they're they're definitely american and they go to california to do the recording and I think that's where they do most of their early stuff and they clearly have an affinity for America and there's definitely like big American influences there yeah. so it's almost like he's kind of tried to style himself as like this American rock god but deep down he's just a Scottish kid that doesn't want any fuss <laughs> yeah I think it's quite interesting even the contrast of um you know I've watched a few interviews of him like both in the documentary and other stuff and he seems like they come across a bit like just three wee guys from you know from scotland which is quite nice and he he's even a bit like always like slightly hunched up and yeah <laughs> like curled in a yeah, ball in a way like constantly walking around with his big coffee mug yeah. and but then he goes on stage yeah. and he, they play these like enormous shows where they're like you know it's very taps off like tattoos out big noise from and like three very and, aggressive music. right like but there's a great bit in the documentary when they say when they were younger and there was people like shouting at them, just play Oasis, play Oasis. <laughs> yeah. And they would turn, they would put their hoodies up and they would just turn their backs yes. and they would play their set. Yeah. And which again, I think is great because they kind of want to know who they are. But I think that's also a kind of insecurity there mm-hmm. that, yeah. um, I don't know. They were really fascinating. It was really interesting documentary, not so much for what they were doing, but just more for how they acted. Yeah. I think they're, just interesting i think it is kind of a weird like unusual dynamic of like two twins and then one other person and it's very tight like tight unit it must be it must just be a bit odd when you've got those sorts of relationships going on i just i just remembered in that video i was just talking about the questions and answers it starts with them all sleeping in the same room together (laughs) and simon's in one bed and the twins are in bunk beds which just it just like I think sums up the <laughs> yeah. entire relationship. But yeah, that's it. Um, so we should keep moving on them because I think it's interesting when we first talked about this, Rory. We you said to me, "Only Revolutions" is an album that you really liked, and yes. 
so this is like now more recent. So this is sort of hitting 2010. And I'm curious, like maybe just your take on that album. And like, maybe is there any standouts that you would call out that people should listen to? I, so I still remember Chris talking to you uh, when this album came out, uh, going and buying it. Cause again, I wasn't necessarily a fan, but I was like, Oh, I quite like their music. And I think I'd, I definitely had vertical bliss. I might've had puzzle. And then I was like, okay, I'll just get the next one. And then saying to you, Chris, like, you need to listen to this, this, cause this is right up your alley. You'll like it. And I think your reply was uh, along the lines of like, this has no right being as good as it is. <laughs> I think how you described it, which is kind of accurate because I think as much as puzzles a stepping stone, this becomes massive and it's easily, I love this album. It's yeah. easily for me. It's the turning point in my appreciation for them. Like I said, like fell away from them after not really liking them very much, seeing them live as a kid. Uh, it's one, it's, it's a fantastic album. I, right. The captain, the opening track on that album is still one of my favorite songs of all it's time. It's so interesting to me that because that song is, it's like, this is going to sound a bit harsh, but like, or not harsh, but like, it, it's like this weird, almost <laughs> like dark, like show tune. Like it feels, yeah. it's yeah. just, it's I very bizarre to me compared to like hearing some of the other stuff. I'm like, where's I the- love that song. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you, you're, if you've got it now to play Johnny, but I'm, I'm going to drop in the intro of that song yeah. because it starts with this weird, almost like somebody walking heavy footed through an empty hallway. Yeah. Is the, yeah, it's like it's stamping like, to open yes. the album. It's great. And then this insane trumpet comes in and it's very bombastic, very, like you said, kind of show tune album after that just takes off and i just think i think it's it's one of my like top 20 albums of all time i think it's one of the best albums ever made like very accessible it changed their music changes from being weird grungy punky almost at times a bit metal to oh anybody can listen to this anybody who kind of likes rock music will enjoy this or find at least one or two songs in it Right. Yeah, but that's for me. Uh, if that album would be, oh, this is when they found international superstardom. Like I yeah. could, uh, which I don't know if they did. I don't think they ever really did. But I, I again, Rory, echoing everything Rory said there. Like I, oh, it's yeah. such a good album. I love jo- it. I mean, Readers, go listen to it. No, Johnny, you just pause listen this. To it. Listen to it. Excuse you. Sorry. Um, you just listened to it properly for the first time. Yeah, I, I do not have the same relationship with this album, I will say, from yeah. the outset. And I listened to it this week. Like, I just put it on while I was working, and um, I didn't quite get get it, I think. 
if I'm honest. Uh, I found, like, I think it maybe was not quite what I was expecting from them, given... And I think it's always difficult when you've... It's the same thing as, you know, when someone hypes a, a film or a yeah. TV show and then you see it. I, th- I think I had a bit of that in me where I was like, I don't, I'm not seeing the, like, amazingness. And th- that do, was, like, just you, sticking it on in the background. So, like... Do you remember, Johnny, when uh, you and I were talking about our albums and that the, the previous episode we did, like, Idlewild and stuff, and you mm. kind of have that seminal... You right. associate time times with that um i actually rory you you just alluded to that there of you having that conversation with me i don't recall having that conversation but i think the album got released in 2006 which lines up pretty much when we were in our third or fourth year at university um so we probably just blasted that (laughs) every night before we were going to go out (laughs) Uh, as you know, along with some other albums, and I can just imagine it just being seared into our brains as a result. Yeah, forever. Yeah, it's definitely kind of peak going out sort of time, where we would have only been listening to Foo Fighters and Kelly Clarkson, and then <laughs> we decided to bring in Biffy Clyro to the, yeah. the repertoire. The thing it's it did, risk. the thing it did make me think a lot is like they have this knack, I think, of like sort of using space really well. It's like they know the points to like fill it with sound, like the biggest sound mm. you've ever heard, and then they know the points where to like almost do nothing. And like there's songs in there, I think one's called Bubble or Bubbles or something like that, and it's got this like quite intricate guitar and then it like gets big again yeah don't need to trust a single word they say you are creating all the bubbles that play there's a girl there's a girl there's a girl there's a girl she's down by the river in her own creepy world there's a girl there's a girl and she's down by the river it's time to They've always been really good at that sort of shift in dynamic in the middle of a song where you're suddenly somewhere you weren't before. And like yeah. that bit, I can massively appreciate in the music from that album, I think. And it's it's here that they start getting... You know, we talked about it in Mark Miller. Um, you remember the 27-parter that we did in Mark Miller, guys? <laughs> uh, we talked about every Don't comic book you'd ever written. Um, and... He started getting this reputation for writing comic books just to make them into movies. And Biffy started getting this reputation just for writing songs for stadiums, which is so weird. But as, and we'll get onto their other albums later on, I think, but like you can't help but kind of think that after a while the way that their songs go, you're like, are they, is that in the back of their head? Because if I was writing songs, that's how I would write them. If I, if I had any musical talent, I would be like, you know, it'd be fucking great. If I was standing on stage in Wembley stadium and the (laughs) audience were singing this back to me while I'm doing this incredible riff on the guitar. And so if they're not like, I, I totally, I don't think that's a criticism. I think that's how, you should be writing not every song, but a lot of songs. I think it also <laughs> it's interesting. I've never seen them live, but like I think around that time it must have been kind of a slightly odd experience seeing them. Say they're playing a big show, right, and they're playing these like big stadium filling like hits. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure they were playing other stuff from the back catalogue that's, like, suddenly out of nowhere. They're playing this, like, Jaggy Snake song in a, in a stadium. And, like, I think that must have just been really interesting. To, I mean, even now, I'm sure it's like that to see. Well, I mean, that's the same with any band you right. go to. I mean, like, I've seen the Foo Fighters live an awful lot. And they're, they, they usually stick in a couple of songs from their first album, which is right. generally a little bit more low-key. And you're like... Play all my life. Yeah. Play the pretender. It's even like I'm just looking at the singles that they released from um Only Revolutions and the it's almost like the subject matter increased as well. So that like the opening song is Captain, and then it moves on to the Golden Rule, and then Johnny Bubbles, uh, and then the fourth song and another single is God and Satan. So they're talking about these like big, important things. And then one of their biggest songs ever is Mountains, where like one of the lyrics is like, I am the mountain, I am the sea. I am the mountain. And it just becomes almost operatic in its, like I said, subject matter. Like the, what they're singing about, how they're singing it, is so just built for a crowd to just yell it back at them. And many of Horror is also a fantastic yeah. song on that album. Yes. Just... Johnny, okay, I think um, you've missed the mark here. Go, I think I'm you need to go, go back, back and to, listen yeah. to it. I'll give it another, I'll give it another spin. Go listen to it on a Friday night just as you're about to go out with with Rory and Jane um, <laughs> boarding the flight to Paris. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give it another, I definitely was like, kind of had it on in the background a bit. So like maybe I need to sit in a dark room and listen to it. The, so it's named, what is it? The, the album's named after some, a novel. John, do you have any of the info on it? I, I didn't actually read up about this. I don't know if you did. I do not know. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it is, but some sort of novel. And then I think, you know, it makes it to definitely top 10. I think it might be close to number one. I'm trying to find out. Uh, makes it to number four in Scotland. Yes. UK number three. Number three yeah. in the UK. So that's, I mean, it's it's definitely very popular. I think, is it released in the US? I don't see that. but um, Oh, it's then, based on a bit called... Also called Only Revolutions by Mark Danielowski. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Chris, do you still have their singles up? Because I believe Many a Horror yeah. or Mountains is like their most successful song. Let, bear with me. And bear I, with me. I, I unfold- uh, no, um, that's not quite true. Uh, that Golden Rule... Uh, and Mountains both reach number one in the Scottish charts. Many of Horror only reach number nine. Right. Um, something reached number one. Oh, hang on, you cheeky little... Cheeky <laughs> well, little there is... The Captain reached number one in the UK rock charts. Right. Ah. And I believe there is a cover of Captain or Mountains, which was unfortunately done by one of the guys from like X Factor. And so it oh, became... yeah, you're right. His, Matt Cardo, isn't it? Yes. It, oh, Christ. It became like his winning... You, you know, like X Factor is oh, always yeah, yeah, like yeah. at the end and whoever wins it, they release a single. It was a Biffy Clyro song was his single. 
When we collide. When we collide, we come together. That's it. Uh, oh, yeah. And it puts... gets flashbacks now. It put Biffy Clyro into, like, every household <laughs> in Britain. Whereas, like, they were big, and it's a big album, but then this single, I think... Was, <laughs> I just it, found a quote from him saying, I'm sorry if I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, if you... Have you got the video there? We should just have a wee blast of it. I haven't listened to it. I just... The Matt Cardo uh, version. Yeah, let's listen to the Matt Cardo. We'll drop it in just to see what it's like. Matt Cardo, I seem to remember, wasn't that bad, but it was like he was basically just a glorified pub singer that yes, yeah, just another should never have been overexposed in the way that he was. Just another um, X Factor Patsy. So I'm just yeah, skipping well, through the ads. You know, Give me so is Harry seconds. Styles. Harry Styles was X Factor. Yeah, really? One Direction was an X Factor band. So they were. Forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, we might be talking about uh, Britain's Got Talent star in an episode coming to you in the future. You say I love Colin Cumming. Yes, Colin Cumming. I know you lie. Oh, sure. <laughs> I trust you all the same. Oh, no. This is terrible. I don't know why. Wait, hang on. That's not even Matt Cardle. That's the Tyler Ward oh, cover wait, hold of on. Matt Cardle's cover of Biffy Clyro. What? That's, I knew that. What? I knew that wasn't him. Did we just get incepted? <laughs> What's it called when we collide? Hold on. Yeah. Do you want to see it from the well, final? This... Yeah, 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 yeah. The song's called Many of Horror. Isn't when we yeah, collide, I think they like changed it. Big. I think they changed it. Oh, oh, right. Fucking X Factor. That's him. Oh God, he won with this. Not good. I trust you all the same. He, he's not even singing in tune. I don't know why. This is awful. Can we can we put the Biffy version on quickly? Yeah, that's awful. Wait, what's that actually called it, again? Many of horror. Good God! Wow. Okay, this he's is going. He's this going is why away. these shows shouldn't wow. exist. See, this is when he becomes like he sings with his Scottish accent. Yeah, he's more comfortable now. He's more confident. He's got a great he's voice. Not so. to be in There's still twangs in America, but he's got great hair in this video. Yeah, it's He's got like Wolverine. Banger, guys. It's a good song. Another terrible video. They don't do videos well, do they? <laughs> not like not like my mate Dave. <laughs> he's he's got some very good videos under his belt. Very good. At Tons what he of does. good ones. Tons of good ones. Should we just do an episode about the Foo Fighters? <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, there's got to be some Scottish connection there, surely. You know, we, you know, when we did, sorry, I bet you we talked about Biffy during the Frightened Rabbit episode. Cause ah, because they did that cover, right? They did the cover. It's very uh, good, actually. Part of like tiny changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Josh emailed us and told us that. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the year and a half off. Yeah. That fan meet and greet that we did back in uh, February 2023 <laughs> was good fun, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. The one that. in Paris or the other one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, pa- Paris, well, I mean, Paris, weirdly, there wasn't much of a turnout, but, you know, it was okay. It's fine. <laughs> and Rory got COVID for the fourth time. Yeah, oh, God. Warden Sally was still there, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about this album. It's just, I think it's brilliant. I re-listened to it a couple of times this week and it's one of my go-to albums of just like, ah, fancy fancy getting kind of pumped up and getting a bit, you know, good, solid rock in my life. Kind of gonna spicy. Listen to, yeah, going to listen to Only Revolutions. It's got a great, again, talking about album cover, it's got a brilliant album cover of just two people standing on the beach with massive scarf, almost like a flag flowing behind them i tell you what i think their album art is really good consistently yes right there well, it's not a beach. careers sorry i just pulled it out. A big grassy i think field, i think they? one of the three of them has done art at school <laughs> and knows Much what he like likes. our three piece yeah and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna put all my money all my chips on it being simon <laughs> um yes i agree uh okay let's keep moving because there's a million albums and yeah. i don't really want to talk about them all so like there's more th- i think that word we said before like they're prolific they just keep on churning them out and they're at this point they're making big hits now i think um the next album that comes out is called opposites which is in 2013 and it's like a sort of like quite sad aside here where i think ben one of the twins was like struggling with alcoholism as they were like recording the album and there's sort of like a bit of writing about a time of it sort of getting to the point where it's kind of threatening a bit the future of the band. Mm. Um, you know, they talk about it nearly splitting the band up. Um, and it also sort of coincided with Simon's wife suffering like multiple miscarriages. So it's sort of this like oh, wow. sort of sad moment in their tenure of like lots of things happening that arguably make a band feel, you know, less important, I'm sure. Um, but the sort of upside, particularly to Ben's story, is that he, I think they were in LA again at the time and he started to. Uh, attend AA over there and has basically been sober ever since which is like really nice That's end to that story another uh, common theme of uh, Scottish people that we right. cover yeah any and success they yeah. develop a problem and then yeah. you have to become teetotals yeah, yeah. brilliant and there's sort of this little That's story that's why about... we don't want this will do nicely to right. be too popular that's why so we're we... stopping it being so popular you know we're holding <laughs> yes. it, we're holding it down right I um, just I just want to point out that I pulled up the opposites Wikipedia page just to see if there's anything interesting on it. The first line, and Chris, I'm assuming you already know this because on the second and third of July 2011, Biffy Clyro supported Foo Fighters in front of 130,000 fans at Milton Keynes Bowl. So I'm Milton guessing... Keynes. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, Dave I was there. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I love the MK Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you and Dave. Um, That's what Dave and I call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a, there was a, there was coming back to that story. There was a nice little aside actually of uh, James, the other twin, um, basically got as a tribute to his brother's sobriety. He got a Robert Burns poem tattooed down his side, and it's one they like recited together at school and Ayrshire. And he talks about it's a poem called john anderson my joe and he just says it's about two old codgers looking back at their life together a reminder of ben of, of what he means to me and a reminder that when somebody loves you there's a responsibility look i care about you so you've got to look after yourself for me 
which I thought was quite sweet. That's lovely. I'm wondering, like, what tattoos we're all getting to, you know, support each other. Well, I so I think it, that just supports, like, you know, that's why Simon's so insecure because um, it's about two codgers, not three. And I was thinking about this in our year and a half off that, you know, it's probably why Chris is so insecure and a bit awkward is because, Johnny, you and I have known each other technically since, like, we were in the womb right. together. Yeah, we yeah. didn't meet Chris until, like, a few years later. I mean, I, I didn't meet him until I was, like, four. So I, that's probably, like, the inherent awkwardness and right. insecurity that he feels that's, constantly. That's probably why I've got a tattoo of the two of you <laughs> as old men sitting on a bench on my back uh, yeah. feeding the ducks. <laughs> With me just hiding behind the bushes. <laughs> Let me in. No. You never do. I just wish no. you hadn't extended it right never down do. to your butt. That was the bit I was upset about. Well, where else am I going to hide? <laughs> Popping up. In the Ooh. undergrowth. In the crack. Um, it cost me a lot of money, that tattoo. Yeah. They did, they did actually, um, again, in the thousands. documentary, they talk about getting album tattoos where they all get the same tattoo each album. So maybe we should be getting one per episode or something like that. We should. We should get one one tattoo per episode. It has to be on Should the we top. just get one of Malcolm? <laughs> Kine, I want a Jerry Butler tattoo. <laughs> we can all pick leave our own him? episode. You can't take him with you. He has to be left behind. Right. I'm going to get one of Malcolm. Malcolm would be pretty good. Uh, That'd be great. A lot of options. So, sorry, you want me to write climate change isn't real <laughs> on you? Well, it's not me that's saying it. It's the manatee. It's a placard. Yeah, yeah and just a <laughs> tiny know? little MAGA hat. Uh, no, no, I'm not a supporter. It's just... He, I'm not a supporter. Malcolm is. Malcolm is. Malcolm is. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read his stuff? <laughs> sorry, he's fictional. Oh, God. I'm getting confused. <laughs> um... I, sorry, John, I forgot what you were talking about. I have no idea. We, I'm just going to wrap this up, shall we? <laughs> I'm having a great time. Um, I'm really enjoying this. So we're getting to, we're getting to the end. So there's other, there's other albums. Go and listen to them. There's Ellipsis 2016. There's, there's, a, there's one called Balance Not Symmetry, which I don't know that much about, but basically was a soundtrack album to a film of the same, <laughs> same name. And I just yeah. read one line about the film that said, the film was a critical failure with an almost universal, universal negative reception, which I thought <laughs> that was quite funny, actually. And so I think it's a terrible movie, but the soundtrack seemed to be much better so even in their missteps they're doing all right it seems i mean look i'll as i think i it sounds like i'm probably the one who's listened to them the most over the years Question would you put mark? this album up there on the no and i will say that a lot of their um like only revolutions is one of the few albums that i don't skip songs on um and that's the thing like, yeah i think every every band has you know that one one or two incredible albums every album has one or two songs that you skip and biffy do have a fair few of them um yeah i think i found that out uh recently again trying to kind of re-familiarize myself with their catalog especially the recent albums which i hadn't paid much attention to and it would always be like the first two or three songs are fantastic and then after that you're like oh okay this is a bit self-indulgent uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. yeah and like black and sky and um 
Avengers Infinity War, or whatever their second one was called. Um, <laughs> something along those what? lines. It's called Infinity what? something, isn't it? You're having a stroke. <laughs> What's their second album called? Infinity Land. I wasn't far off. Uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, that's it. Age of Ultron. Um, th- those two you can just put on in the background because it's just nonsense lyrics, wild noise. It's fun just to kind of listen to while you're doing work. And then... Yeah, these more recent stuff just gets super weird. And I, the the what's their like their latest album or the last couple of albums? Is it what came first, the celebration of endings or the celebration? So this is kind of where I think we can kind of wrap things up because the, the part of the reason we talked about this was the doc, watching the documentary and the documentary sort of. Uh, is set between the moment of they made this album a celebration of endings and finished it and were sort of really in the moment of releasing it and we hit pandemic and so I think a, a lot of the documentary sort of go, tracks from that time forward into then they were a bit like what do we do we're all in lockdown we can't go anywhere we've been used to like touring traveling promoting albums and like moving on to the next one and so it's sort of uh recounts their journey of like recording the uh what is like the final or the most recent album um which i forget what the name of it is now actually uh i just pulled it up the myth of happily ever after that's it um and it's it's interesting i've got a little story about celebration of endings because it's funny chris said earlier about music being like when and where you hear it or like the association of the time you heard a song for instance and again like i hadn't really listened to that album much at all i think like you say i sort of dip in and out a bit of biffy where i kind of respect a lot of what they've done but i don't know the albums in a deep way and i remember in like the first year of the pandemic my grandma died quite sadly and you know this was like a unique time in history for for us all where you know, we couldn't travel, uh, joined like a funeral on Zoom and all the weirdness that went with that. And so, and I remember in the sort of aftermath of that, like in the few weeks following, I sort of found myself stumbling upon this song called Tiny Indoor Fireworks, which is on that album. And it's like, I remember like, I don't know if it's a particularly great Biffy song, to be honest, but I found it kind of like very attached to that moment for me. And like, it's quite cheesy in a way because it talks a lot about like, you know, waiting for better days and it's actually quite big and up being fun. And I just thought it was really interesting where you like, what's this kind of big romp of a song? Like ended up being like quite moving moment for me when I found it. And I always think it's very funny because, like, my gran arguably would would not really have liked Biffy Clyro, and I find it funny that that's associated with like a memory of her in a weird way. And so I, I wanted to talk about that because I just remember it being like this strange uh, moment in time, and then kind of stumbling across this song and this new album by them, and being like, "Oh, this is actually kind of cool," and it's sort of uplifting in the right way. I do love that. I think music, music, and maybe smells are the two that do that the most. But like when you hear a song, you listen to an album or even, yeah, just some sort of tune comes on and 
it evokes memories that are like maybe so old and ill-defined that are just like you suddenly feel like anxious or the the ones that aren't just like oh i just like the song and this is a nice song and it's the ones that almost give you like the bad feelings this like the deep sorrow even though it's a happy song or like the like the anxiousness or the fear of maybe it was a song that you listened to a lot while you were studying for exams or something right. like that. It's and so... triggering the other senses there. It's like I yes. can picture the moment and like the feel of the table kind of thing at, at yeah. that time. It's like it's amazing what the how they attach to moments in time, I think. Not to get overly uh, sentimental about it, but I, d- I think it's really powerful. It's cool. I think it's incredible. I like getting sentimental about that stuff. Yeah. And so like I, I think. I, I don't know, we don't need to play that just now, but we can always drop it in. But the, I think what was nice in that album, particularly where they've been, they've been in a pattern for years and years of like make album, tour album, make album, tour album, like do it incessantly. And they sort of hit this moment that they just couldn't do the things that we're used to. And so there's also like a really nice thing where, you know, they talk a bit about it also in, the, in that show where they basically, once things started to open up again, but they couldn't, you know, play proper shows, they went and did this. They basically played live in the Barrowlands in Glasgow. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but did effectively a live show to no audience where they just streamed it, you know, online. Yeah, it's really cool. It's in the documentary as right. well. It looks awesome. And I thought it was, one, they talk a lot about, I mean, we've mentioned the Barrowlands before. It's like very known venue in Glasgow that like when you play there, you know, you've sort of made it and it's like, it's been around for a long period of time and often renowned for like amazing sound and like amazing atmosphere. And so they do this like, amazing sort of like art directed show where like the the light show's amazing and the music's good and they just like play the album and it's for them this big release in a time when they couldn't do the stuff they were used to doing and i actually thought that was a nice testament to like their you know they're both great musicians but i think they they value what it takes to put a show on also and and i thought that was a really nice um like high energy way of doing that when you don't even have an audience standing in front of you we should, well, I mean, considering we're talking about them live now, to mention the fact that they almost always play shirtless. Yes. Taps off, sweaty, so tattoos. The, <laughs> and again, you never quite know what the true story of this is, but um, the story that they tell about why they do this is that they were originally touring. They would go and you know, wear whatever they were wearing, they would do their gig and then they would take their shirt off. When you get back onto the tour bus, take the shirt off and put it into the pile. And um, they were just always going through a new t-shirt. And then by the end of the tour, there would just be this pile of like solidified, salty, manky, <laughs> yellowy t-shirts at the back of the bus. And they were just, and it's such a Scottish thing because uh, they're so frugal they're like yeah i was pissed off because it was like my favorite shirt and i couldn't wear it anymore <laughs> so they just decided not to wear shirts anymore every time they, they played a gig uh just because i, mean, I think it makes sense easier and yeah it was just more <clears throat> practical yeah uh, and yes they're yeah. they're covered in these tattoos and they've got their album tattoos and stuff like that so they almost are constantly wearing a shirt so it looks cool anyway yeah but i just i like that story of now there's like eh, fuck it it was just too much laundry I mean, God forbid they actually do the laundry as they're going, rather than just collect all the shirts. That'd be ridiculous. Too much. Disgusting. I mean, we we obviously always do this topless as well. So, like, you know, yeah, I actually do it bottomless. Right. Um, Yes, obviously, socks only. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, I don't. I've got, got my sock. I've got my socks on right now because right. I just don't care for that sort of tomfoolery. <laughs> um, I think actually just to touch on that really quickly, you know, they they're clearly very renowned for their live shows. I think you'll see across the years, and people often are citing them as like you have to see them live. It's so different to the album and. I think, you know, even I watched a bit about Simon on a weird guitar YouTube channel talking about the difference between making an album and making a show. And actually it was quite nice where it was like sort of this understanding that they're they're very different things. Like a show is mm. about creating a, a vibe, whereas like the album, he was very willing to go and like build things in there and spend time, you know, layering stuff up. And, and I think he was really conscious that it didn't need to be the same thing. And I quite like that because I, I like that they're slightly different mediums of performance and I, and even though i think they sometimes play with you know another guitarist like effectively a lot of the time it's like the three of them just making this enormous sound and yeah. i kind of love the rawness of, like a three piece is always appealing in that way where you can't really hide behind much and i love that they've just you know they've stuck with that effectively since being teenagers making music in <laughs> Ayrshire. and so i kind of wanted to like come full circle there because like the Watching, I found myself with like quite a lot of admiration for them, really. You know, I watched that, the documentary, and there's a great opening shot of like Simon rocking up basically in like hot pants on the beach in the air, being like, Welcome <laughs> to Scotland. And it's just sort of this funny, you know, these guys are, are rock stars really now. And, you know, they go and record in LA and make these huge albums. And, and, and still, the kind of just three wee guys from Ayrshire that are like very, close to that i think and so playing playing kickabout in the garden with their exactly dog yeah, yeah. and that that farm that they're recording in that the documentary is pretty much set in is a shithole as well like look right. it's lovely but it's not what you would expect massive rock stars to be recording an album in yeah and it's a so, working farm you know they're like <laughs> right and i found one of the most uh, in other words not shocking but surprising moments in the do- the the documentary was when he turns up in his like he drives up in like a Porsche or a Ferrari, <laughs> maybe. Porsche, and I'm like, yeah. that doesn't what? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. You're like an international rock star. I, I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I definitely would encourage people to watch it because it's quite. They're quite endearing, I think, in it, and they're talking a lot about being home and what it means to them. At the same time, they're making they're very good at making albums and they're just going through that sort of like process as they would do normally, but it's set in this like farm on the West coast of Scotland. Um, did you, did you to listen to this album that came off out of that documentary? I listened to a little bit of it. Not much. There's one amazing song called denier. That is like, I think the word is galloping because it just, I can the see that drums in it are, amazing and it just sort of takes oh we said it before but it kind of like takes off I enjoyed that the rest of it I wasn't so sure about yeah again it's the same like i said earlier that there's like three or four songs on there that are great and then the rest of it you're a bit like right yeah i mean witch's cup is good they talk about that a lot in the documentary and they're right it's a very fun exciting song i like it
Holy Water is gash. It's a bad <laughs> song. I'm sorry. But, but then there's also, I really like two other songs in it, but they've just got terrible names. The opening song, Dum Dum, D-U-M, D-U-M, is a good song. It's a good sort of fun thing. It's a stupid name. And then there's... You're not saying it right, Rory. You need to say it with like a Stewie Griffin voice. Like, hey, Dum Dum. <laughs> hey, Dum Dum. Uh, and then uh, the last track is long. It's like six minutes long. It's very kind of electro. It's just, very weird. I've just seen the name of that. Yes. It goes up. It goes down. There's like some really hard rock in it. There's a bit of like almost um, electro kind of 70s, 80s feel to it at points. But it's called Slurpy Slurpy Sleep Sleep. I'm just like I can't tell people to listen to the song. I mean, you got to get think how many songs they've written. You got to start just making stuff up at the end, right? No, they clearly have a naming issue. I think they do have a naming right from issue. the start of the band. And this is also everybody was going mental during lockdown, and they're like, "Ah, fuck it, we just got slippery, slippery, sleep, sleep." I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm, I can't be bothered. Like, just put whatever. Like, we'll write down <laughs> the last whatever. song. Just write something. Yeah, unknown male number one. I mean, come on now. Put a little bit of effort in. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. There's some great songs on it, but there's some really bad ones. It's it's one of the few albums that like I was like, oh, this is not a good song. Um, which is a shame, but it's still I think a decent album overall. I'm gonna give that another listen to and check it out. Yeah. Yep. Um so that sort of brings us that kind of brings us full circle. I think, you know, they I think are an interesting band. I, I kind of love the thing that they've been, you know, sort of true to what they wanted to be from the outset and stuck with that for a load of years. I, I really admire their like musicianship, their output, their, you know, the amount of stuff they've just made over a long period of time. And I genuinely think they seem like very nice people, which is kind of reassuring. You know, they've not nice boys, hopefully not nice let them go to their head. So there's hope for us. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, as Rory usually does, any last thoughts, boys? No, I'm just proud of you. <laughs> I can never do this ever again. You look like you're sweating. Um, how are going? Uh, I, look, I think they're very good. I think, hands down, Only Revolutions are their best album. Um... They have a rabid fan base. Um, right. Weirdly, a, a lot of their OG fans, I think, got very annoyed when Only Revolutions came out, to a lesser extent, Puzzle, and kind of stepped away from them. But, and I think, I don't know if we necessarily mentioned this quite so much, but if you listen to their entire uh, discography, 
um, you will hear an evolution and a change in their music, but there's still a strong tie to their where they originally came from and their original kind of style of this. Because there's there's albums, you know, I don't know, I can't think of one right now, but there would be certain albums that you would just put on and the first song would be pretty hard, pretty rough for certain people that are looking for something that's a bit more palatable or accessible but then you move on to the second or third song and it goes into kind of a pop rock ballad um so i also think they're not apologetic about it which i really like like i, exactly. I think they're like we're just making the music we want to make come with I, us it, or don't <laughs> exactly and i think that's what's fun about it is that they're just like yep yeah, we are what we are we're doing our thing we're enjoying it we they seem to be having a blast doing it so fair game to them I want to give Rory kudos as well for only sending me four or five text messages through this saying that Johnny was screwing up the (laughs) presenting of the episode. Only five. I thought you showed real good restraint there, Rory. Uh, Yeah, look, I think I think I would like to give (laughs) more kudos to myself for just kind of carrying him through it. I, 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 every time I saw him yeah. stumble, I stepped in. I do like yeah. that. It says a lot about Rory's confidence that despite the beginning going, I, I've not done anything. He had some research up his sleeve just in case. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he, had, yeah, he can't help touch. himself. I know. It's like picking a scab. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, look, I'm the safety net to catch you when you fall, Johnny. And That's a lyric. Write that down. We're going to start yeah. a band. Um, yeah. Going to start a stadium rock band. God, that'd be so good be so good cool i think we might be a bit old all right well johnny you're gonna take us out you're gonna finish finish us up <sighs> biff will do nicely off. biff will do biff will do nicely <laughs> <laughs> <Au revoir. laughs> i'm not coming back next i'm not coming back next week <laughs> uh i liked it i liked it a lot that was a fun one Yeah, it was fine. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and write a quick review on whichever podcasting app you're using. It really does help us out. We'd love to hear from you either via our email, thistledonicelypod at gmail.com or via facebook.com slash thistledopod or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thistledopod. You can also visit our website, thistledonicelypod.com. All original music in this podcast is written and performed by our very own Johnny Naismith. Please like and subscribe to his YouTube channel and follow him on Instagram at J-A-W underscore K-N-E-E underscore. Love, hugs, and kisses from the Thistle Do Nicely pod. I think I'm going to have to do something better here to get an Easter egg, by the way. Got, got, any, got anything good? Mm. Nope. Mm. Wow.
Well, back to the cultural section we go. 